You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I don't know if it's morning when you're listening to this, but I am recording this bright and early the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, yeah, if my voice sounds a little raspy, that's because I'm still waking up. If you hear a sudden cry or knock on the door, that is my daughter, because she's uh, in the other room, and uh, I woke up to a, a text from my wife, and all it says was, hey, I'll be home at 830 and she was already gone, so I don't know if she went Black Friday shopping with her mom. I don't know if she went to the gym. She normally does uh, jujitsu Friday mornings. It's Friday morning. Um, all I know is she's not here, and she won't be home for a little bit. And so, but I need to knock this out because we have family stuff. So anyway, here I am. Uh, we have a very important announcement here uh, during this intro. Here in just a second, the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Con- Conservation has announced some rule changes. And I've had two or three people send it to me. I've been seeing it online, and so I want to make sure that I get that information out to you guys. So I'm going to cover those changes here in just a second and uh, and give you a little bit more information about that. But just a quick little catch-up because it is still deer season, and I am still hunting. Um, man, last Saturday, uh, me and the wife and daughter all went hunting together. It was awesome. It was uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, my wife. I, I think I had already had the mindset going in, but about twenty minutes into it, my wife looked at me and she's like, "I'm very much changing my expectations. That we are no longer hunting. We are making memories." And that's kind of how I went into it. But we actually had some success. Um, she was able to take a doe, and then I took a hog, and then she took another hog, all in the same hunt with our 16-month-old daughter in there, and so we were just kind of like passing her back and forth. We'd actually, we have some earmuffs for, for her, but we of course forgot them, and so we had brought an extra blanket to keep her warm, and so like when she was shooting, I would have my daughter in my lap and kind of put the blanket and use the blanket as muffs and, you know, cover her ears, and then my wife would do the same thing, so ended up being a great time. Um, that evening, I actually, uh, I went and hunted by myself Saw a really, really nice buck um, right at last light. Uh, doe popped out into the food plot in front of me. And then uh, I was you know, trying to check her out. And then all of a sudden I see kind of a whoosh go in front of me. Pull up the binoculars and he he was nice. It was not the 2% buck. I didn't recognize him, but he was framey, wide, tall, all that stuff. Uh, but unfortunately by the time I kind of figured out that, hey, this might be a shooter... He had pushed her back across the fence onto the neighbors, and they never came back. So, um, But cool encounter. And then, uh, let's see, I went up Wednesday. Uh, I hunted one uh, hunt Wednesday evening before Thanksgiving. Um, saw one younger buck. That was it. Um, but I think it was the night before that, so Tuesday night, I got a picture of the 2% buck still alive. Um, it was like 2.30 a.m. And then last night, uh, Thanksgiving evening, I got a daylight picture of the 2% buck in a different spot. Um, it was a camera. Actually, it's a camera that I've got him in daylight on one other time this year. I think this is my third daylight picture of him. Um, and uh, so anyway, yeah, he was there as I'm sitting here now yesterday evening. And I think I am going to get to hunt this evening. So that's part of the reason I'm trying to get this uh, episode out to you guys because I want to go get in a stand and try to kill this sucker. So anyway, next weekend, I'm going to go hang out with the Oklahoma Outdoor Outreach Foundation again. Uh, the organization that I did the turkey hunt with this spring. Going to go help some disabled hunters get on some deer Really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, I had such a great great time uh, this spring with the youth hunters. Uh, I believe this hunt is open to, to hunters of all ages. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that next weekend. And uh, it's going to be a really good time. 
as always, um, I really, really uh, would suggest you guys looking up that foundation and helping them out, whether it be volunteering or financially. They could always use some money to help because, um, you know, hunting is expensive. Most of you, if you hunt, probably know that. So that is the Oklahoma Outdoor Outreach Foundation. Look them up. Help them out. All right. Let's get to uh, this important matter. So as I mentioned, the ODWC are going to be rolling out some potential rule changes, or they have rolled out some potential rule changes for 2024. And the public comment period, it actually already opened. It opened November 1st, and it is going through December 8th. And so you have until December 8th to get online, voice your opinion for these about these changes. And then they're also having a in-person hearing in Oklahoma City on December 7th. And uh, if at all possible, I'm going to try to make it out there for that. Um, not sure what the schedule is going to be, but uh, I'd, I'd love to be there in person, just kind of hear it straight from them, uh, be able to ask questions, um, hear other people's questions and everything like that. So that is December 7th, like I said. But if you can't make it and you know you can't make it, you can still get online and voice your opinion until December 8th. So um, in the email, they highlighted you know a few of the, kind of the more important ones. And so I'm going to pick out a few of these that, um, I don't know, just kind of near and dear to me, I think, uh, you know, important for people to hear. And so... Um, one thing that I believe I like, I mean, I'd love to hear more about it, but they're planning to add opportunities for controlled hunts for deer, turkey, and waterfowl on portions of some state parks. And so I don't really see why that would be a, a bad thing. More hunting opportunities are usually good. Uh, this one I, I, I like, but I, I almost laughed at it a little bit. And it's something that we've talked about on this podcast several times, the velvet hunt. And so it sounds like they're trying to push through a velvet hunt. But the reason I kind of laugh at it is um, it seems like for this first year, they're talking about doing a draw for 10 velvet season permits. And I just kind of think it's funny that they're doing 10. Um, you know, if you're talking statewide, uh, I don't know. I just don't see why you would only limit it to, to 10, like, I don't know. Sure, it's cool. Sure, there's going to be a lot of people putting in. Like, I'm, I'll put in for it, sure. Um, but I, I think you could do a whole lot more than 10. You know, I think you could easily do 100. Um, honestly, I don't see why you couldn't do 1,000. Um, but I, I, my guess is that they're just trying to kind of test the waters, see how it goes, see people's reaction, everything like that, and, uh, and then, you know, maybe broaden it out a little bit in future years. Again, that's just a guess. That's part of the reason I want to go to the meeting. Um, and hear it, but uh, it is going to be private land only. Um, it doesn't mention anything about limiting out-of-staters or not. Uh, I know I've heard a lot of people comment on that, like they think they shouldn't do out-of-staters, but again, my my position on it, like if, if the whole reason behind this is to you know gain money for the state, I don't know why you would limit it, especially like this, with if you're only doing 10 um, you might as well let anybody who wants to, you know, pay the money for a chance, let them pay the money and have a chance. Um, so, you know, I think the private land that should limit some, some people somewhat. Um, but anyway, so just kind of thought I'd throw it out there. I, I do like that they're toying with it a little bit. I just thought it was kind of funny that they only did 10. Um, let's see. Uh, this one I, I kind of like, uh, or, or I really like, I, I wouldn't have thought of it being a rule, but they're adding shotgun shell holes to the list of what qualifies as litter on WMAs, aka if you're duck hunting, dove hunting, turkey hunting, whatever it might be, if you're out on uh, public land, you have to pick up your shells, which I, I, you know, I, I tend to do that anyway. I think a lot of people do, um, but I do like that that's a rule, so that one's pretty good. Um, this one, not as big of a fan of, um, they are thinking about allowing the use of air powered arrow rifles as a legal means of take during deer muzzleloader season. So, um, I had to get this kind of straight in my head a few months back. We've, we've talked about this once or twice, but currently, um, air bows as most people call them are legal during rifle season. Um, so they're talking about expanding that to muzzleloader season and, you know, as far as like being able to shoot an airbow during muzzleloader season, to me, not that big a deal. But the reason I don't like this is because I think it's just taking one more step into getting those things legalized during archery season. And that is what I do not want. Um, I just, I do not consider an airbow, quote, the only reason they're calling it a bow is because it shoots an arrow. I do not like the idea of that being in archery season. Um, so, 
again, I, I don't really care that much, like if people use them during muzzleloader season, but I'm kind of against it just because I don't want that to be a stepping stone. So I don't really like that one at all. Um, let's see here. Um, closed prairie dog hunting on Cooper, Beaver River, and Sandy Sanders WMAs. I, I know nothing about, you know, prairie dog hunting in that part of the state, honestly, very opposite side. So, um, I don't have much to comment on that. I'm, I'm guessing that's because of, um, you know, prairie dog numbers going down. Um, so again, part of the reason I want to go to the meeting and, and see what they have to say. Um, update regulations for shooting ranges and archery ranges on department owned or department managed lands. Um, as, gosh, I don't, I mean, I've, I've been to an archery range on public land, you know, to me, it seemed just kind of like the wild west. There were some targets, there was a range, um, but you know, there's obviously nobody there, um, you know, watching people or seeing what they do. And so I, I don't even know if there are currently regulations on those places. I'm sure there are somewhere. Um, I've just never really dealt with it. Uh, but if they're saying that there's a reason that they need to put some updated regulations, I'm guessing they probably need to do that. So, um, so yeah, like I said, those are just some of the highlights. Um, I'm sure there's more, uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you're frustrated with the state in any way, if, if you, you know, we've, we've had several different podcasts just this year talking about, you know, the velvet season and CWD and, and out of state hunters and one buck versus two buck. If you are at all concerned about this, that type of stuff, this is your chance to voice your opinion. And so, like I said, you can get online, the ODWC website, you can go to the meeting, um, whatever you need to do, you have, like I said, until December 8th, I believe at 4.30 is the, the cutoff time. So, um, like I said, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. This is the stuff that we, as a hunting culture, as a state, but really just you know, hunters and fishermen, outdoorsmen and women in general, this is just the stuff that we need to start paying more attention to nationwide. Um, you know, we're just seeing more and more attacks. Uh, Colorado has some kind of trophy hunting ban that they're trying to push through. They're trying to reintroduce wolves, even though the biologists are telling them they should not do that. Like you're getting a lot of just political push and not science-based facts. And so, uh, I probably should have brought this stuff up earlier. Um, but here it is for you. You should have plenty of time to, to, you know, react, act on it and do some research for yourself and look into this stuff. So, so yeah, that's going to do it for this intro. Um, we got a nice, good episode for you. What would you, oh yeah, we got Charles coming on. <laughs> I almost forgot what this episode was about. Uh, so yeah, my good buddy Charles, uh, he tagged a nice buck. Um, he came on and we did like our pre-hunting season podcast episode a few weeks ago. Man, that was just like six or seven weeks ago. And uh, he was able to shoot an awesome buck. And so he's going to come on, talk about his hunt. We talk a little bit about uh, kind of our future plans for the rest of the season. Really good episode for you. So, yep, that's all I got for you guys this week. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in and get out there. We still got some deer season left, duck season's in full, um, whatever you want to call it, rolling through right now. Uh, it's, oh, man, I got a picture with a bunch of little hog piglets, which just makes me mad because we're just getting more and more of them. So, need to do some hog hunting. Oh man, coyotes, trapping, whatever floats your boat, it's that time. So hope you guys get out there, enjoy God's creation, and we'll get into the episode right now. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we have my good buddy Charles Admire. How you doing, Charles? Hey man, doing pretty good. Good, good. And man, like you were just on this show, what, like four or five weeks ago, something like that? yeah i think we were talking about all our dreams for the yeah. season yeah that's right I, that's what i thought yeah i think yeah uh, i think we did kind of like the the pre-season preview together and uh talked about all kinds of stuff and and uh and some of that has come true and so that's why we got you on here today to talk about it and uh just kind of recoup we're we're roughly halfway through deer season right now i know it seems I don't know. To some people, it probably sounds like it's just getting started, and to some people, it seems like it's been dragging on forever. Uh, but we really are just about halfway, so I figure it's a good time to to get together. And uh, you had some success, and so that's the main thing I want to talk about with uh, you know this this week. But um, real quick, I guess I know you're just on, but uh, why don't you do a quick little introduction just in case people didn't catch the last episode? Uh, yeah, sure, you bet. So we've known each other. Gosh, since we were real little, uh, I guess I was closer probably with uh, your older brother, 
you know, going through school, we were in the same grade and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, now I, uh, wife and a son who's 18 months old and did some time in the Marine Corps. And yeah, man, now I like to get after deer and waterfowl and everything like that. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Our, uh, our little ones are, I want to say just like a month or two apart, something like that. Um, yep. And so we've kind of been getting to, uh, live this new chapter of life together and, uh, you know what, let's start there. What's it been like this year, uh, hunting with a little one at home? Because, you know, obviously we both did some hunting last year with kind of, you know, straight up newborns. But, um, for me, I think it's almost, it's almost more challenging in a couple different ways, uh, now that the, the kid's a little bit older. So anyway, yeah. Talk, what's it been like having a, a, a one and a half year old? Uh, well, uh, honestly, and this goes into success, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. So I went on like a, I went on a three day mule deer hunt. And, uh, so that was really the only time that, uh, that my wife was with my son for like an extended period and she was able to go see her family. So, you know, it's always, it's always nice when she gets a little bit extra support when I'm out of town and, uh, but then, yeah, pretty much the next the next time I went on, I had a lot of success, and it was just one overnight. So I wasn't there for I think maybe only like four waking hours for him. So it's been pretty easy, but also at the same time, it's not a big sample size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like I have my perspective. I honestly probably need to ask my wife her perspective uh, because to me, it, it seems like almost more challenging now uh, because you know, Hallie, she, she's mobile and she eats, real, oh, yeah. she eats real food. Like you can't just you know, mix a <laughs> bottle of formula and give it to her. Like you have to like prep it and everything. Um, I guess on one hand, like you don't necessarily have to watch her quite as close. Like you're not worried about her just choking on nothing all the time. I, don't know, I guess they still choke all the time on stuff. Uh, but the, you know, the other side of it too is like, I, I think I miss her more. Then when she was just a little bitty baby that just kind of laid there and did nothing, you know, now she'll say dad, dad, when I walk in the door and she smiles and she laughs. Um, and so that's been a, a little bit different this year's. Uh, I think I miss her more and it, it it's, I guess it's more of a struggle being gone, even if it is just for, you know, a night or two or something like that. So. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I actually cut my mule deer hunt short. I was going to go for another day. Um, and yeah, I just missed them too much. So it's like, I'll come back. I mean, <clears throat> there's a little bit more to it than that, but <laughs> I wasn't willing to push the limit mostly because, um, yeah, because I missed them. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool, man. Just a few little random things, but uh, let's get into, uh, have you, when we, when we did the last one, I hadn't killed my buck, had I? It was, it was before the season started, right? Yeah, I don't think we'd kicked off anything except maybe Dove. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, man, like, I guess we kind of—I would say we called our shot, but we've uh, we we've done a lot <laughs> since we talked last. So, yeah, I I killed a good buck, and now you have. And so, but we're gonna focus on you this week. So, um, man, where to start? Um, this uh, actually, I'll you know what? I'll just let you start where you where you feel uh, like you need to. So um, tell us a little bit about kind of the buck, where he came from, if you had any history, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, I guess I'll go, you know, kind of sequentially. So last year, um, I really didn't think much of it because he grew just so tremendously from that last year to this year. But when I first saw a picture of this, uh, this buck, he looked actually like a, a maybe a two year two and a half year old, and I've said before on here I, I confess that I don't age deer super well, um, but just based on what it looked like to me, he looked young. So he had double split G twos, um, so both sides were split. I mean, looked like a like a really small mule deer you know and so mm -hmm. i started calling him mule even though i only had one picture of him last year um and then years before i mean i could have had him but it's kind of hard to tell because uh he he must not have been split before mm -hmm. um or or he wasn't there i guess so no no history prior to last year um 
And then I guess kind of getting into the story of this year, I really wanted to play in, you know, with Hunter in mind and him being more mobile. That's my son's name. Um, you know, I was like, I'm going to focus my efforts on the highest probability times to see good bucks. And so um, I decided that I was going to do a sit on kind of Halloween weekend, maybe just a quick overnight. Um, and then also the same thing the first weekend in November. So like November 3rd and 4th, I believe is what it was. I believe the 4th was like the first day of rifle. I was also going to sit that evening uh, and, and then the next morning. Um, luckily for me, the weather cooperated. Uh, uh, I mean, not exactly perfect to the cold front hit on the weekend or anything. Um, but in addition to that, uh, wind was right. And two bucks that uh, that I had been seeing because this this mule had showed up about a, a week before so around Halloween um, and, and plans changed for us as a family so I couldn't go out kind of that Halloween weekend but he starts daylighting and then another buck that I don't really have a name for but he's been on the place for last year and this year for sure and I think I have a picture of him two years ago that being said the the other buck not the one that I took was super consistent uh, daytime, but they were both coming in, you know, midday, somewhere between like 11 and two. And so I knew if I was going to go down there, uh, or, or, you know, if I was going to hunt in the morning, you know, that I would need to stay pretty long. And so, yeah, that was kind of the plan going into the weekend of the, the third and the fourth, you know, have a good long sit in the evening and then, uh, a good long sit in the morning. And then we actually had plans for a gala <laughs> about three hours away. So I was on a tight ship getting back, but more to that when, when I actually get into the hunt, but that was kind of the plan and, and everything leading up to it. So. Gotcha. So uh, I feel like we kind of skipped over this and I know we talked about it last time, but um, talk a little bit about kind of your property. Y'all y'all it's a family property. Y'all have owned it a few years now. And, uh, I mean, for me, kind of an outsider looking in, it seems like the property has gotten way better just in the few years that y'all have owned it. Um, like you're just seeing, you know, better and, and older bucks than, you know, you, you started out. So talk about that transition a little bit. Like, was that something that was, um, you know, do you feel like y'all had a, a hand in that? Is it just something, you know, a change in the environment? Um, talk about what has kind of led to seeing, you know, some more of these better bucks. Yeah, I'll say that um, I think there's two things for us. One, we've been a little bit more disciplined about taking older deer. And again, we don't, we're not perfect on aging deer, but sometimes when they just look young, we just let them go, you know? Um, and so I think that's part of it. But the other deal is Texas has implemented a, a 13 inch inside spread rule, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think beyond only our efforts, I think neighbors, you know, have, you know, I, I don't want to say forced, but, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, forced to mm -hmm. kind of lay off younger deer. And so I think it's not just us. When I've been at the the processor, they're saying that they're seeing, you know, bigger deer pretty consistently. So I think it's something, you know, that's kind of several counties um, are, are seeing kind of around us there in central Texas. Mm -hmm. yeah and i think uh a big part like obviously you know if you let a deer get over 13 inches they're automatically obviously going to be a little bit bigger than if they, you shot them before they were you know wider than 13 inches but i think a, a bigger part of that is just letting those bucks get into a slightly older age class it also lets those bucks get smarter and a little bit more elusive and so instead of just letting those bucks get to maybe two or three maybe those bucks are, you know, now getting to three or four or, or maybe even five. Um, not just because people are having to pass them uh, because of their antlers, but they're just, they're having a chance to learn how to avoid hunters and learn how to use the terrain and their noses and everything. Um, and just, and just, yeah, like you just get straight up older deer. And so I, I think that's awesome. Um, 
yeah, I, I uh, big fan of that. I think when it came out, I was a little iffy. Like I didn't, I didn't see how it would be that much more helpful. But now that it's played out a few more years, I think it's definitely a good thing. Yeah, I was frustrated initially because there was some lag time. I mean, at least a year, maybe two years before it was like we were seeing many legal deer, period. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then it was just you'd see it maybe a little bit <clears throat> less frequently than we see him now. Because right now, you know, we had probably three or four deer identified that would, you know, make me pretty happy. I'll put it that mm-hmm. way, you know, so. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's been a good deal. Uh, yeah, been a good, good deal and a, a good management tool for bigger deer. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get into, uh, let's get into the specific hunt. And so you're up there first week in November, uh, kind of tell us just how it went down. Yeah, man. So, uh, so the last night, so Friday night was still, uh, bow season. And so, um, I had refletched arrows and I had, uh, because basically earlier in the season, I had shot at a coyote and also shot at a deer that was not this one. And my arrows were, were flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, when your bow's not in tune or maybe your broadheads are a little bit wider than what your veins are handling. Um, you know, you can get a little sway or whatever. And so <clears throat> did a little bit of research, took off the old veins and then refletched and put bigger veins on and it corrected the issue immediately. Now I probably should also get my bow tuned. Just haven't got uh, time to do it, but so far the problem is fixed. And so I'd finished doing that, uh, had a lot more confidence, got up into the, the stand and that evening, um, the wind was right. It was out of the north, um, maybe five to 10 miles an hour. And I had a probably, oh, only like a two hour sit. I had worked that day. Um, and so, you know, worked till five and then had maybe from five to seven. Um, but in that time frame, not mule that I ended up taking, but, uh, but the other kind of big boy that we've been watching, I think that he ran by. It, it was one of the two, but I think the other one's just slightly bigger. And I saw his his rear end basically chasing a doe. Saw a lot of chasing the third and the fourth. Um, but he didn't even slow down. Didn't think about the feeder or anything else. I was hunting over a feeder and um, didn't smell me or anything, but also wasn't paying attention at all. So I was pretty confident that I should hunt that that same spot again. Uh, so the next morning, um, now <clears throat> to back off for just a second, I knew I had to leave by noon, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if I have to leave by noon, I have to make a shot at absolute latest by 1130. Mm-hmm. Cause I got to clean it real quick. And I got to drop it off with the processor. Then, you know, whatever I need to do with the horns and then book it. So I don't, you know, get put in the doghouse <laughs> <laughs> or put myself in the doghouse. Not that my wife would put me in the doghouse, but I put myself in the doghouse. So, um, that being said, uh, I get up that morning and not, I'm one of those people that is very nervous about bumping deer. I, I think we have like more jittery deer and I don't know, maybe other people think that too, but I think that there's a lot of pressure around us. And, um, so there's real jittery deer. Um, and I just didn't want to bump anything or I don't want to bump anything. So I got in about an hour before sunrise uh, or before legal light and i'm telling you as soon as legal light hit the uh the artillery started <laughs> the there were shots everywhere um i think that morning i counted like like 24 or 26 i can't remember how many wow. most of them were pretty far off mm-hmm. but i mean rifle opener was <clears throat> in full swing mm-hmm. um but pretty much from the moment daylight started, I was seeing bucks. And so I think I saw that morning roughly 10 bucks, maybe nine, but they were, they were chasing a lot. And so, you know, one might, a younger buck might jump in, actually three different younger bucks jumped into the, to the feeder pin. Um, 
and they were kind of alerting me to stuff that was going on each each well two of the three basically <laughs> saw does getting chased by other bucks and they you know joined in on the uh on the uh you know follow the leader routine if you will mm-hmm. so um i saw deer for uh quite a bit there, at one point there was a a younger deer in there and it was maybe Oh, it was maybe nine o'clock. And uh, he kept looking back into into the trees and Doe comes out and she runs. I'm talking right at me. I was in a pop-up that kind of looks down on this. Um, oh, it's a pipeline right away um, is where the feeder's set up. It's, it's on a right away for a pipeline. So there's pretty heavy trees kind of down towards the bottom in front of me, which I'm facing towards the south. The wind is out of the south, blowing to the north. I'm about 175 yards out. And then about 40 yards beyond the feeder, there's a creek, and that's kind of the property line. And that creek right there runs more or less east and west. And there's a lot of deer that travel that creek. And they'll pop out of that to come to the feeder, right? So that being said, this doe comes from elms and uh oaks that are you know kind of a patch right there to the oh to the east and it's getting hounded by three bucks in a row and uh the little buck jumps out and cuts off the last buck in line and you could tell that he was not quite as interested but he really piqued my attention because i actually thought he was the the bigger buck and so i had him in my sights for Oh, probably five or 10 minutes as he kind of slowly trailed behind. He was a little bit more alert, but he was kind of just aloof too, you know, where he was just kind of taking his time. And I finally determined, yeah, not the, not the deer I'm looking for. He needs another year. I mean, good, good looking deer, but he needs to grow a little bit. So about the time that I decide to pass on him for sure, he takes off to my east um, and there's like a, a little ridge line, uh, and then like a creek fed, um, or not a creek fed, but a spring fed tank, just maybe 30 yards to my east. Well, just up from that, um, a little bit further to my east, there's a little ridge line there. And he went and found a couple bed of does and started kind of pushing them around. And so it was, it was a fun show all morning. About that time, as they're, They've moved off. A big old bobcat <laughs> walks out about halfway between me and the feeder. And he's just taking his time. And I was just like, you know what, Lord? Thank you for such a nice morning. Like, there's a bunch of, like, wildlife going around. And that is a beautiful bobcat. And if I wasn't so dead set on being almost positive that one of the two deer that I want to come out is going to come out this morning, I would have taken him for a mount because he was just beautiful. Yeah. And so, uh, so that happens anyway, fast forward. And there was, there was a lull. that was probably about 10 o'clock. There was a lull until about 10 30. And then a young, Oh, young eight point. When I say young, I mean, year and a half, two and a half. I mean, just young, you know, real small, real narrow rack. He jumps in and he's eating. And then before long, he keeps looking back into these trees. The same ones that 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 doe and, you know, the procession of bucks came from. And uh, and he keeps looking back and he is like definitely paying attention. Now, pause for just a second. At church, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. And so at small group, an older man at church as we were going through our father, we talked about just our father for, for a sermon, uh, for a week. And so as we were going over it, he was saying, you know, every now and then I know that, you know, just like I, as a father, love my kids. I know that God loves us. And sometimes even if it's silly, I'll pray for something like, Lord, could you just show me a shooting star? Well, I immediately in my mind was like, that's silly, you know, because I don't know that God is really concerned about showing us shooting stars. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, as I'm sitting in the <clears throat> the little pop-up there that that hits me and I was like, you know what, Lord? 
maybe that was the wrong viewpoint, but could you please send out that deer that that little, little buck is looking at? Sure enough, like 90 seconds later, mule jumps in and I got the worst case of buck fever that I've had in years. <laughs> like he's looking a lot bigger than he did on camera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm settling myself down and taking deep breaths and everything. And he was in there for probably, oh, probably four or five minutes in the feeder, uh, in the feeder pen. But we have one of those stand and fill, uh, you know, feeders, you know, that, mm-hmm. that the body of it sits low to the ground. Well, he's either with his rear end facing me or he's with that on the opposite side of that. So I don't have a shot. So I keep repositioning, keep repositioning, you know, looking up. And next thing I know, his head pops up and he jumps out of the pen and goes to the West. And immediately I was like, Lord, I I was not specific enough. (laughs) Would you please turn that deer back? And I need a shot. Like, can you send him back? (laughs) you know, have a shot be there. And so, uh, you know, about five minutes later, that deer comes back and he goes to lick these low hanging branches. And then he's just running his, his, uh, horns through them. And I was like, Lord, thank you so much. Next thing I know the, the, the right away for this pipeline is, Oh, maybe 30 yards wide. Well, he just walks basically 10 yards closer to me than the feeder is back from the way he came. So he's walking towards the east, about 165 yard shot. And I, uh, you know, when you, when you try to merp them and they don't stop. And so you progressively get louder and more mm-hmm. quick. So you're like, merp, 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 you know, <laughs> as the panic ensues. Yep. Well, he stopped about three steps before I wouldn't have had a shot and he looks up and I did not hesitate any longer after that. And I shot and, you know, I mean, it jars you just a little bit. And so I look down the scope as soon as I can, you know, get settled, which was, you know, maybe half a second or a second later and he's not there. And I was like, so I didn't see a kick. I didn't see anything. And immediately I start kind of going through my mind, like, man, did I pull that shot? Did I hurry it? You know, So I go down there, there's not an ounce of blood, but I can see where like his um, tracks are like, twice the size of everything else that was there that morning. Mm. And I can see where he planted and then where he landed the second jump. And then after that, he got into some real thick stuff. And it's hard to see um, any, any prints at all. So there's about three well-defined trails that come out of there. Oh, and the other thing that I didn't even say that I didn't actually realize till later, John, when I was telling you about it before, mm-hmm. is he was so rutted up that like his must was right there. And I went down 10 or 15 minutes later, like I could still smell him, you know? And so I started following the first trail and I followed it, oh, 50 or a hundred yards. And I was like, I-, I wouldn't have missed this bad. I don't smell the smell anymore. Like I'm gonna go back. I followed a second trail and one kind of went, the first one went to the North. The, the second one went straight East. And I went again about the same distance, 50 or hundred yards. And I was like, you know, I lost the smell again. And I went on that third trail and it's like that musk got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm looking in this thicket and right as I'm about to uh, kind of just pause for a second, I wouldn't, you know, finish looking by any means, but as I pause, I just looked down and I was about three feet from him (laughs) (laughs) piled up right there. There was not, I did not find a drop of blood anywhere, Mm. but uh, yeah. So I came upon him and, and at that point I, I lost my mind a little bit. I mean, he's, he's, I didn't measure him because I was kind of on a time crunch to get to where we were going that evening. Yeah. But I'm pretty confident that he beats my best by probably 10 inches. He's just a, he's a, he's a good deer mm-hmm. so, and, and the best we've seen on the place or at least taken on the place for sure. So, yeah. but yeah, man, that was kind of the story there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. And, and you know, you're talking about not finding blood, uh, granted, uh, you probably know this, and I think most of the listeners do by this point. I'm fairly colorblind, so I am, <laughs> I am a terrible, yeah. terrible blood tracker. Um, but I have had, I think, two deer um, that I found that I never found a drop of blood. One of them, I was I was like 19. It's still to this day like my second biggest buck ever. And there was a really heavy 
frost on the ground when I shot. Oh yeah. And it was, it was like December 4th or something. It was like the last weekend of Oklahoma's rifle season. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, like I remember I, I, I searched for like two hours for this deer, just body searching, grid searching, um, could not find anything. And then I was actually, I was walking back to the truck to go and try to get my great uncle to come help me look for him. And I saw a tine sticking over a log and walked over there and found him. <laughs> but even like, even after I found him, I, I kind of backtracked out to the road, uh, where I shot him and I still never found any blood. Um, and then, yeah, another time, uh, I shot a buck. It was, he was in real tall grass. It was one of those things like I almost kind of guessed where I was shooting through the grass. Cause the grass was like up over his back and he dropped in his tracks. And that time I never even found the bullet hole. And like, I, I, I really? think I just, yeah, I think I just scared him to death and I ran up there and get him <laughs> real quick before he, before he woke up. Uh, but like I, uh, my buddy, you know, uh, my buddy, Nathan, he was there and he walked mm-hmm. up. He's like, he's like, where'd you hit him? I was like, I mean, I, I think behind the shoulder and he looked and he never found it either um yeah it, it was the craziest thing uh but yes yeah, so, like sometimes that just happens i guess if you just do it like hit them just right i don't know if it gets plugged or maybe they're in shot i don't know what it is but um yeah, that, yeah but that it's is- crazy so th- now that you bring that up um i guess i left this part out <clears throat> but um so when i was when i was going to get the truck to pull it closer so I could drag him to the truck. I did notice maybe like 12 inches of like a splatter. And mm-hmm. when I say splatter, I don't mean like a puddle, but like mm-hmm. just a, you know, 12 inch long splatter. And that's all that I saw. Granted, I didn't have a bunch of time to backtrack right. on that exact portion. Uh-huh. Um, but I go get the truck, come back and I go to do my quick gut job, you know, cause I, <laughs> I was really under a time crunch. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> but I've started to, to save the liver and, and the heart and whatnot. And as I was cutting everything up, um, I, I hit him there. You can see where that bullet grazed right on the bottom side of his heart, mm-hmm. but his lungs were completely gone. And mm-hmm. so even though I hit low on the heart, one of two things happened, either that heart for some reason, and that specific deer was just a little bit higher or his lungs you know, we're just a little bit lower. Does that make sense? Like they, yeah. it's, it's like they were lower than the bottom portion of his heart is what mm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were completely gone. You know, it, his, his chest cavity was all coagulated. So, I mean, it, it was definitely the lungs that did it, but I was just surprised that you could hit basically bottom end of the heart mm. and, uh, and the lungs would be gone, but yeah, there you have so- it. So, so uh, my nephew, Ty, the buck that he just shot uh, during youth season a few weeks ago, he, I'm pretty sure that he hit in front of the heart, but still hit lungs. Um, really? Because his shot was pretty far forward. Um, and part of the reason I, you know, it, I almost, I almost backed out uh, looking for him because as he was running away, his leg was flapping and I actually thought he shot low, low enough to like where he just hit the leg. Um, but yeah. we, we ended up finding him just by sheer luck and, uh, but the, the heart was untouched. Um, and again, the shot was like very far forward on the shoulder. So I, I guess those lungs go past the heart. Um, anyway, I don't know. Just, you, you think, you know, all this stuff about these deer, but you're still learning every day. Well, yeah. And even if something is, you know, the standard for, you know, I don't know, 80 or 90% of deer or whatever, you know, if they get in a certain position or right. maybe they're taking a deep breath or whatever mm-hmm. else i mean you just can never know and so yeah. and that is the a good conclusion po- that, is- that i drew sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say that is a good point on ties he was slightly quartering too um mm. so that that could have been part of it but sorry go ahead yeah well no i was just saying i i think i probably did rush the shot just a little bit mm-hmm. and so i mean <clears throat> i was i was you know right up the leg or whatever but it probably hit an you know, a couple inches below what I was, where I was aiming. Mm-hmm. I honestly might've had a little bit of the, the buck fever, but that being said, you know, uh, his, his anatomy made it work out, uh, yeah. for, for me, not for him, for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, dude, so- he was big bodied though. I didn't even say that part. Mm-hmm. Like he probably, I mean, I didn't wait or anything, but I usually only take one cooler up 
you know, when the, mm -hmm. uh, I usually get one deer done at the processor. My wife really likes summer sausage and stuff like that. So I usually get one done there. <laughs> and, uh, when I went to pick him up, they were like, make sure you bring a second cooler. And I was like, really? I was like, I thought he was big, but and they were like, Oh yeah, he's a big deer for around here. So <laughs> he yielded a bunch of meat. He's a good nice. deer. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's definitely awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, and the other part too is, uh, I didn't even tell you this when I dropped him off at the processor, uh, there was a, a representative for Texas parks and wildlife. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he asked if he could take, um, a sample to see, you know, CWD was present. And I'm sure it wasn't. He was a healthy deer, but I, I said that he could. And then I just asked him, you mind aging him? And he said, yeah, I'd love to. And so um, I was wrong that, you know, because I thought last year he was a two and a half year old. His growth in a year was tremendous. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he was for sure he was he was at least four and a half. Nice. So, um, yeah, so it's was, it was pretty cool to see that 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 age range is being represented where we're at now so yeah very very cool yeah. um you, you've talked about kind of the split g2s and you said he was your biggest buck by 10 inches describe him just a little bit just to kind of give people an idea man he's wide and he's tall he like if you think of a typical mule deer um he has little nubbins for for brow tines mm -hmm. um he's probably I'd say he's, he's, and this is a guess because again, I didn't tape him, but I'd guess he's at least 18 inches inside spread, prob probably 20. But if I held, you know, my hands out wide and when I spread them all the way out, they're nine inches. If I, if I put them side by side like that, I think they'd fit inside his inside spread. Mm -hmm. He's tall. Um, I've only, I think, taped one deer, so I'd be... <laughs> totally guessing if I was to give you a score yeah but uh but he's tall one of his g2 splits is deep the other one's maybe half as deep a split but yeah I mean he just looks like a typical mule deer that's a four by four you know yeah. just just a great eight that's wide and tall yeah and just to clarify this was a white tail I think we've talked about oh, mule yeah. deer a lot oh, yeah. and you're not in mule deer territory uh yeah no no we don't have any white tail. yeah 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 <laughs> which is weird too, because we don't even have those genes. Like he's the only deer that I've seen like that, which is, you know, why I call him mule. Yeah. Cause we know exactly which deer he was, but mm -hmm. there's not a bunch of genes like that around our place. I mean, that I'm aware of, maybe there are mm -hmm. some and he was just a traveling buck, but uh, yeah, he's just, <clears throat> it's a dream come true. I've been hunting that place now for, this is my eighth season to hunt it. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, I mean, he's the best deer I've taken off there for sure. So awesome, awesome yeah, man. man. Well, uh, I hope you uh, have many more like him to come. You, I mean, you obviously have at least one more that's you know roughly that size. So, uh, if he made it through the artillery, man, I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, I haven't seen one mature deer come in anywhere on feeders, but they, they usually get pretty shy this time of year. They yeah. come back around maybe mid December, mm -hmm. but we'll see if he made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better, I haven't seen uh, the two percent buck since Oklahoma rifle started up. So, keep those fingers crossed. It was funny. Uh, so, my wife and I hunted together Saturday morning, like the opening of rifle, and we we had our daughter in there, so we were keeping all the windows closed. And so that that I think <laughs> muffled a lot of the shots. We really didn't hear many shots, um, but we were done with the hunt. And I told my wife, I was like, "Hey, like you just stay here. I'll go get the truck and pull it up here, so we don't have to carry everything." And uh, so I. I climbed down the ladder and I turned towards the truck and like right then I hear a shot that was fairly close uh, and, and something in me just like dropped. I was like, ah, oh, man, like it's that time of year again, which is funny. Like, <laughs> it's funny that I feel that way because this deer is like eight and a half years old. Like this isn't his first rodeo, um, but just <laughs> with the rut and he has like, he's, he's shifted his pattern and his home range a little bit this year and uh, it's it's so stressful i hate it but anyway well th that's what i think about the big buck too because he's been so consistent in the middle of the day mm -hmm. it's that first weekend it's always scary there were two shots right before i took my shot within probably 20 minutes of me taking my shot yeah and i was just like man that could have been both of them obviously it wasn't but yeah or at least for one of them it wasn't but it made me real nervous about that other one yeah 
Yeah. Oh. But hey, they're not our deer. That's why we do it. They're wild, free ranging <laughs> animals. So uh, we just do the best we can to keep up with them. So, but man, sometimes I wanna... it's hard to let go. <laughs> it is. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, I, yeah. I feel like a huge jerk, but I uh, definitely sent a pictures of uh, 2% to my wife and brother who was hunting with my nieces and nephews. And I was like, please, whatever you do, do not kill this deer. Like, this, all I ask is this one deer. Don't kill him. So, that's awesome but, but yeah he's uh he's pretty smart though i don't i don't think anybody's seen him so well man i know you need to get going uh i was a little late getting on so i want to be respectful of your time uh but it's uh, yeah i love having you on it, it was awesome that we got to do kind of the the preseason deal and then now we're getting in here and getting to talk about our success and uh one thing that we definitely need to do is get together to do a little duck hunting um I, yeah, I, man. I guess it's because i tagged out with a buck so early in the year but man i like i have been consumed with waterfowl like i like i haven't been probably since high school when i used to do a bunch of duck hunting um so yeah we're gonna definitely i think it just opened like last weekend or something like that but definitely gonna have to make some time to to do a little duck hunting yeah man the quick quick one sentence story that you'll get a kick out of I went out opening day for ducks because uh -huh. I'm feeling the same way as you. Mm -hmm. And we saw about 150 ducks and maybe 50 Canadian geese that landed on the opposite side of the private tank we were on. <laughs> and when I say uh, tank, I mean, it's like a 20 acre tank. So they were like yeah. 300 yards away and we were mm -hmm. just, oh, it was miserable. Yeah. Yep. I, I Man, I haven't really seen many to hunt. Uh, I was at the ranch, like I said, on Saturday. I drove around midday. And I found one pond that had like four and then uh, <laughs> my one little duck slew uh, kind of by the house where I stay. It had actually this is kind of funny. It had exactly one dozen mallards. And I say that's funny because <laughs> like, you know, whenever you buy decoys, like they almost always come in a dozen or now because they're so yep. expensive. I feel like you can buy half dozen, but uh, but like anytime you listen to anybody talk about duck hunting, they're always like, oh, you know, old Joe Blow out there with his dozen decoys. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can have exactly 12 mallards on a pond. It, it is a thing. So don't feel <laughs> like don't feel like you're out of whack if you just have a dozen decoys. So anyway, yeah, uh, well, man, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, very proud of you. Super happy for your success. And uh, we'll have to have you on again maybe later in the year after we uh, kill some ducks. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun, John. Yep. Awesome, Charles. Well, take care. Thanks again. And we will talk to you later. Thank you, Charles, for coming on. Congratulations on the buck. And for all you guys listening, real quick, in case you skipped the intro, just wanted to throw it out again. The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation is taking input for some potential rule changes coming in 2024. And so you can get online, you can voice your opinion, tell them what you think, uh, and you have until December 8th to do that, I believe at 430 and then on December 7th, they are having an in-person hearing in Oklahoma City. And so if you, you know, are very passionate about it, you can go in person, ask questions, talk to the people making these decisions, and really let them know what you think. So I just want to throw that out there again. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Have a fantastic week. Happy Thanksgiving. I forgot to mention that in my intro. And uh, until next week, I will see you all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.